there's going to be a few good deals that come up, but it's it's too much of a rare commodity to really lose that much value. There is a lot of people out there that have been just holding on to their money and, and looking for the right opportunity. Totally. And when they think it's a deal, you know, they jump on it. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Today, our special guest is Shalon Clark from Fair Realty, owner and real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's the first podcast I've ever been on, so I'm a longtime listener, first time uh, guest. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we can have tons of, of uh, podcasts where we bring together your area, our area. We're so close, but we're different in so yeah. many ways, and I think we'll get to that today. Yeah. Um, today's topic is recreation property, and I kind of wanted to give like a forecast for for the year ahead. Okay. I know we we don't typically think of real estate as having a season, but in my market, and I don't know about yours, but we'll get into it. Um, we definitely our rec property definitely has a season. We have a season for the ski hills. We have a season for lake properties, mm-hmm. and not to take away. You know that there's not sales in the winter on a lake property for sure, 100% there is, but there tends to be a season in Kamloops in our region um, where we just see more activity. It's usually not the spring, but I think going into the fact that we are going to start to see the snow start to melt, I hope. Yeah, it, it we've kind of had a way. fake spring yeah. here, but <laughs> you know, just getting ready for for the market that's about to become part of our our daily actions, and I know that you probably spend a ton more on recreation property than I do. So definitely a lot, a big part of my business because I do work all around the Shushwap Lake. So there is a lot of lakeshore involved in there. And that's, you know, a prime reason people come to the area is, you know, they grew up there, um, coming to a cabin there. Now they want to retire there or now they want to buy that family rec property for their family and their kids and have those same memories. So it's a huge part of it. And I think the same is, like you said, we we definitely have very much a season for it because it's easier to access them. A lot of times they don't, the driveways don't get plowed in some of these properties that are way out there in the wintertime. They're cold. Everything's shut off. They don't look their best. You don't picture July when you're sitting there in January. Yeah. And um, it, it's only been the last two years that kind of threw all of our normal rec property market out. Um, you know, last year I was selling you know, some of the highest priced Lakeshore in January. And now this year, I think we're returning more to like a normal yeah. rec property market where we're going to see it, you know, start to come on. We always tell people, get your rec property on before the May long weekend because we we gear it around when 
the tourists come or the out of town, you know, residents come and they usually come on all the big long weekends throughout the year. So from May long weekend being usually the first one, sometimes people come up at Easter, but May long. And then after that, it's like when the kids are out of school, that's your next big selling season for families buying rec property because then they pack up the whole family and they come out and they're sitting at a campsite and they're like, wouldn't it be nice if we owned our own place here? Mm, So that's definitely, yeah, seasonal. Do you find that it's like people come on holidays in May, they come July long weekend, they come on August, and then the buildup for a purchase is like Labor Day. Often, yes. Like By the you, time they get it all together. you spent so many good times and you're like, okay, now I'm done. I'm going to buy something or I'm going to at least proceed to the next level of rec property dreaming, right? Yeah. 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 Or they've been, that was like, they missed out on the previous year. And so then they might show up earlier in the year and they're like, okay, for July 1st this year, we want our rec property. Yeah. And uh, we're like, we're spending summer at the cabin kids and this is like their mission. And it's funny because when I go to sell a lot of these properties, the f- a big topic that comes up with the sellers is they're like, we'd like to have this the last summer here. So we're thinking if they can take over in September, right. like we'll sell it to them in May and they can pay, <laughs> but we'll give them possession in September. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you think they feel about that? I'm like, if totally. they're buying it before the summer, they will want it for the summer. So the faster you can get out is what they're going to be asking you for. So how do you feel about it? And that's always a you know, a tension point I find. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine too that with a, I don't know if like legacy property or a property that's been in a family for a long time, having one last sentimental summer probably means a lot. Huge. Yeah. How do you balance that with the needs and wants of the new buyer. Mm -hmm. Because they have a lot of times family reunions, weddings, like it's the place where families gather and they have, you know, a lot of times for the last 20 years Mm -hmm. and there will be tons of them that show up. And so everybody's got an opinion about selling this family property. And usually that's a thing. We want one last July long weekend or we want one last, you know, so-and-so's birthday party. And um, yeah, it's, it's challenging. Like it's a, it's a lot of conversations usually to get to the point of where they're actually ready to let go because I think recreational properties are even more emotional than, you know, oh, a home. 100%. Like yeah. there's so much tied into it. And it, I bet those sort of extended family members feel like partial owner. There's a sense of ownership, even though they're not on title, that they've got those memories there or, yeah, share totally so many good experiences that yeah. it would be a Tradition. difficult thing yeah. if, you know, auntie... Jojo is going to sell it. It's probably feels really sad. Yeah. But seasons of change yeah. got to evolve. Yeah. Jo- Auntie Jojo's moving on to somewhere else. Oh, I get phone calls from <laughs> Auntie Jojo. <laughs> you know that rocking chair in the third bedroom? We are keeping that. <laughs> like that's the phone call. So, okay, sure. Yeah. I will make sure that's excluded because that's a big thing is we sell a lot of them fully furnished. Oh. And that's even with the boats. And so a couple of things have arised from that in the last little while. Like it's, they can be, you can start to lose the forest for the trees, I say, is like we start negotiating on a blanket and we forget about the $1.5 million Lakeshore property and it it will go to that. Um, And the, the water toys and all that stuff. And also I had somebody tell me, which just came up for the first time that I've heard of it last year. An agent said, you know, we're being really careful about the included items. And we always knew that for lenders because lenders don't want a loan on your boat. They think they're mortgaging a house for you. Um, 
But um, CRA was starting to see stuff and they're like, all these, this furniture and stuff, like we might need some taxes on Totally. That. They want their money. So that started oh. to become a thing. So sometimes we have to put together a thing where it says the buyers and the sellers agree that all of the furniture or furnishings in the house is only worth a dollar. Right. Or we negotiate it completely separately outside the deal and they just pay cash between each other because mm-hmm. it can lead to other issues. Yeah. And also like making sure that buyers understand that it's not everything yes because the funny rocking chair and that quilted blanket that they think they might be getting might not be there on possession day (laughs) totally yeah just it's from past experience it's funny i remember seeing the the cutlery drawer yes missing particular items that were carved yeah oh right and it was like but they're not coming yeah like there was so much effort deciding whether or not that spoon that was carved or whatever was going to be included in a $1.5 million rec property. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And so it's, it's very challenging and it's a lot to navigate because you have to keep bringing people back to the, like we're selling the house, Mm -hmm. this location, those things aren't going to change. You can add cool stuff. Um, You know, the value is not in the stuff, but that is, it comes up a lot with those properties. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask, you know, we've talked right now about recreational properties being lakeshore. I know that's your area. But mm-hmm. what do we really mean by recreational property, if that's the topic for the day? What? How well, can I, we de- put it, slap a definition down on I think that? our definitions are going to be a little different mm-hmm. because I think when I look at rec property here in Kamloops, so in my surrounding areas, I have two distinct categories. That's true, yeah. I have like rural, like maybe seasonal. Okay. And then I have... Fully accessible all year round. Yeah. Cloud roads, you know, maybe it's off the highway kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas those rec properties can also be primary residence for people. Yeah. And that's a different that's a different process when you're selling it. Yeah, right? like sometimes like they're buying it pre-retirement and eventually they're gonna fully retire there. Totally. Yeah. And rec property, they don't need it. Yeah. But a primary residence they need. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's selling, let's say, a home in Vancouver and they decided to move to the shoe swap or stump lake or wherever they're moving to. That's a real serious move. That's a transition. It's clicked in their head. They're selling, they're buying, mm-hmm. negotiating, or they're moving to a different property or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a rec property is so like they can just be turned off in a second. Yeah. And it's one minute they're going to buy it. And if it doesn't work out, well then they're just, they don't really need it. Exactly. Cause they don't need it. So if it's not perfect, then, you know, Let's move on. Right. Yeah. And you may never see that buyer again. Yeah. Like they could end up in Castlegar or Christina Lake like next summer. And that's where they're going to buy their rec property. That's always one of my first questions when like a new like rec property buyer contacts me and I ask them like, okay, what areas? And I start to narrow it down. If they tell me they're basically anywhere in BC, like that can be a challenge and mm-hmm. I have to ask a lot more questions like what is important to you? You know, yes. how far from town do you want to be? Do you like crowds? Do you want to see nobody on the road? Like what is, you know, because that's such a huge, and like you said, they can end up in the Kootenays or anywhere else. So yeah. kind of narrowing it down so you're not spending a lot, like days driving around because especially driving around, like if I do a tour and we're not going by boat, we're driving and I go from Eagle Bay all the way around the lake to like Magna Bay, like there's my day. And <laughs> exactly. that might only be two or three properties. Yeah. Totally. So. so recreational property then being a secondary property or additional, it's for recreation. Yeah. Even it's, though 
what could look like a beautiful recreational property could be someone's primary residence. So there's two. Yeah, it's a totally two. different. It's a totally different market. It's a totally different buyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a different negotiating tactic. Yeah. Probably a different budget. Yeah. Um, people are going to be way, they're going to have a different approach to what they're buying. Yeah. And from a real estate perspective, in my experiences, when you sell somebody a primary residence on their on the water, that is an easier transaction than selling somebody, this might be different for you, selling someone different, a rec property that's down a gravel road that's going to be only seasonal access. Mm-hmm. For you driving around the lake, I get it. It's a long ways around. Mm-hmm. For us to find another property, it I could be driving 300 kilometers. Yeah up another gravel road to find another property that's tucked away on a little chunk of waterfront, right? Yeah. And do you also find that the idea and the reality vary widely? So you get people from from the city. Um, (laughs) We have a place at the very end, if you drive along the North Shore, and you get into a place called Seamer Arm, and it's completely off the grid, like BC Hydro is not there. Like you wear solar panels panels and generators. And I, you know, in the last two years, I got a lot of people calling me like, hey, like we want to be off the grid. We want to be, you know, um, self, you know, like we want to do everything our, our own. And um, I would say, like, okay, what do you drive? And these are important considerations I think people should ask themselves when they're considering a rec property to, like, narrow it down a little bit is, like, you know, if I drive an electric car, am I going to be able to (laughs) access my rec property in the wintertime if it doesn't even have power and it totally is off the grid? Like, is that going to make sense? And so there's a lot of, like... I find with figuring out rec properties for people is you're asking a lot of questions yeah. before you start showing because mm-hmm. otherwise, like I've had people get out there and say things like, oh my God, there's bugs out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, well, th- we can't have bugs. And I'm like, oh, okay. All yeah. right. We're going to, I know now the <laughs> type find of a rec property. You're you. going to be within an hour from Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how we know here. Yeah. yeah. So. Totally. And it's an eye-opening experience for buyers too, because what you think about, I often relate this to like tiny homes. Yes. Where people are like, there's this image of, of like, it's going to be more affordable, like it's image. cheap, yeah. and it's like super nice, and we can cuddle in and squeeze yeah. into these nice little spaces. Everything's brand new all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, square, the cost per square foot on a legal tiny home Astronomical. You might as well go buy yourself like a 2,500 square foot like rancher. Totally. Because you're also going to be needing to pay for a storage space. Yeah. Because where do you think your winter stuff is going to go in a uh-huh. tiny home? Uh-huh. <laughs> you can't even put your clothes in there for the other season. Um, I think tiny homes are a myth. We had, they, a, we had a podcast on tiny homes. Yeah. I feel they like seem appealing. tiny homes in certain areas, like Arizona, yeah. might make sense where your outdoor living is almost all year round. Totally. That would probably work, like where you can always be, you know, cooking outside and things like that. You don't really have to have seasonal clothing or, you know, spare tires for your vehicle, like all of that type of stuff. You need like a property to store. Yeah. Yes. Well, there was there was a story a few years ago um, where there was a million dollar tiny home. Wow. And I can't remember. It was in BC. I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was built by an engineer, yeah. an architect. And it was a combination of steel... Seacans. 
Yeah. You would not recognize this as being a Seacan tiny home. Yeah. But it was done to permit. Yeah. So requirements had to be made for our values and insulation values. Wow. There was just so much to it. Yeah. You know, this property ended up being a million dollar property. Mm-hmm. And really at the end of the day, you have a tiny home. Yeah. Like I tell my wife this, imagine if the whole outside of her house was steel. Yeah. Right? That yeah. would be very expensive. <laughs> yeah. And essentially, that's what a tiny home could be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, and- I think going back to rec property, another thing is people that want to buy lots on the water and stick their RV and trailer there mm-hmm. for the duration of summer, tow it home and just have that instant campsite ready on the water. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you deal with that. All the time. And it seems to be um, a lot of times I notice that's a very like almost like Alberta trend because I guess they have more room for their RVs on their properties in Alberta than Vancouver will have to have their RVs in storage. But a lot of Albertans love to have, you know, they just, they're like, we just want a lot by the lake that we can put our RV on. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, you know, challenging issue because a lot of the zoning and bylaws and building schemes don't allow for you to put your RV on certain lots um, in the shoe swap. However, people are doing it and right. have done it. So if you drive around the neighborhood, you see one thing, but when you look at the rules, you see another thing. Mm. And so you always have to caution people like, look, I'm telling you that here's the zoning, here's the bylaws, here's what you're supposed to be able to do. That's what your neighbor's doing. Now you're informed, you decide what you want to do if you buy this lot. Yeah. And it's our um, area's... Um, governed by the CSRD, the Columbia Regional Shoeshop District. And so they are a complaint-driven system. So if nobody complains, they don't check in on you. Ah. So there can be all sorts of things going on, but the next person comes along, tries to do the same thing, and suddenly they get red flagged and they can't put their dock they put in. two or, trailers on the exactly, property. Exactly. Buy it with another family to make it more affordable. Exactly, <laughs> right? yeah. So yeah. there's there we're constantly telling people like, you know what, like here's what's being, what's, here's what's happening and here's what the rules are. And yes, they are completely the opposite. So <laughs> you have to, you know, be, and that's the biggest thing is just, people being informed properly, like there's so many different types of ownership on rec property. And Let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about your stuff that you run into that's unique. Okay. Like, So we have um, share sales, which can be, they're all different in, yep. in that. But basically um, it's a lot of times they were government leases or something like that where a group of people, sometimes families, got together and purchased one big property. And then instead of subdividing or stratifying, they have common things that they share that they all maybe a common wharfing system or water system or something like that. But it was cheaper to basically put it into and put the entire piece of property into a corporation and then all of the owners have shares. And their shares give them their allotment to their cabin. But there's no property line. So that says like your cabin area is around here. You have this much, like you have no actual property pins or anything like that. So some people build, you know, huge mansions. Others have built little shacks (laughs) and they all kind of fit together. And the biggest thing with the share sales is they can't be mortgaged. They're a cash only purchase because you cannot, a lender cannot separate one owner from all the rest. So they would have to lean against everybody or they can't lean against one person. So, do you do you find a lot of disputes in those 
situations? They, they are coming up more now. I think like a lot of them are starting to see turnover and stuff like that. And when you start to dig in, like, why are, why is this like this? And, and people are like, well, that's the way it's always been. Yeah. And some of them are run like it's kind of like it's so-and-so's rules. They've been here for 50 years. The Their family people, has yeah. the most places. Yeah. They decide. Yeah. And um, like a lot of issues can come up. And I always warn people like, you know, the beauty of them is that they often sell for about 20% less or so approximately than the same property if it could be mortgaged. So you, if you do have some cash, you can get a deal on them. Yeah. However, when you go to sell them, your buyer pool is much smaller because you're relying on cash buyers. Yeah. So so that's one thing that we have quite a, a lot of is all around the lake is these share properties. And then we have um, bare land stratas. And then we have you know your normal stratas. We have a few like condo developments and stuff like that. And then we have leaseholds. But we have two different types of leaseholds. There's government leaseholds and then there's native leaseholds. And those are completely their own thing too and the government ones you know sometimes you have the ability to buy it out after a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and it's a minimal amount that you're paying every year and those are like a lot of times um, hard to access one so they have no um, real road into them their boat access and things like that and then the native lease ones they govern themselves entirely so you can have prepaid ones you can have escalating ones and they're completely different like you want somebody who's very well versed in how to, you know, put a deal together on one of those. Mm -hmm. And most um, real estate lawyers will not, there's only a few real estate lawyers that will actually handle native lease transactions. Yeah, totally. Very few of them will. Like the complexity of the different kinds of properties that you're dealing with is kind of staggering. I mean, you know, I guess that's probably the case. Yeah. I would say like... a lot of realtors should refer out those listings if they are not comfortable with them. Like if they've never done those mm-hmm. listings, uh, we had some listings on Adams Lake on the yeah. lease land. Yeah. And they were close in proximity to each other, mm-hmm. but very different lease mm-hmm. plans. Yeah. And we were, they always get attention because they're yes. priced at a really seductive yeah. price. Yeah. So you get lots of calls, lots of people want to yeah. see them. They look you know, great. They, they realize they can buy them for cash and they don't realize... Mm-hmm what those leases look like every year and, you and know, what the, you can do and can't do to those properties. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there is one area that um, requires like septic evaluations on every time it changes ownership. Wow. And every time it changes ownership, it, like the, 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 the rules change. Yeah. So like they want you to redo the septic field every time the rules change. Yeah. So yeah, it's difficult. Those ones need to be like really carefully evaluated. Yeah. And I usually tell buyers that like, if you just want to be on the water and this is your budget, yeah, this might be a good option for you. Yeah. Right. But if you were thinking legacy, leave this for the family, mm-hmm. you know, it would be better to probably look elsewhere. Yeah. Because those things can get a little quirky. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to know that going into it. And that's why, you know, a lot of times people want to buy sight unseen. Yeah. Or they buy in the summer and they don't understand, you know, where the water comes up to in the spring or what foreshore rights are like. And that's a big thing in our you know, any recreational property. Everybody wants the ability to access the beach and, you know, 
ideally have a dock and buoy. And that's a very like contentious issue that there's so much, you know, to unpack and to navigate and the rules and regulations around it. Like I'm usually in contact with a CSRD like almost daily in the summer, like, okay, this property here has this little easement. So what does this mean now? And what's going on here? And there's things that you uncover that people don't even know how it worked. Like one of the coolest ones I came across last year was um, this homeowner who lived across the road from the lake. And like 70 years ago, the previous, the owner of the lakeshore property in front had a long skinny beach um, area. And so he granted in just on an old piece of paper, nice. I will give you a hundred year lease on this much of a hundred feet of my lakeshore. Oh, and wow. so it's legit, right. but it's not registered anywhere on title or anything like that. So this piece of paper is all that's keeping this agreement together. Oh, and it goodness. goes to like 2050 now or something like that. So this is extremely valuable to both of totally. these pieces of property. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just a, it's something in the files that they have. What a quirk. Yeah. yeah. I dealt with a, with a cabin, a rural cabin, that was part of an existing ranch. And the guy who owned the cabin bought it from the owner of the ranch, worked on this ranch the entire, his entire life. Yeah. Like 50 years of ranch handing. Okay. Wow. And then the ranch was sold to a local native band. And then this guy's deal, like his ownership of this property... Is gone. Is literally up for grabs. Yeah. And the band wanted him out. Like, I guess. There was really nothing verifying a property area, the payments, how they were made. Like this guy was literally taking money off his check... Oh my God. Every two weeks to pay for this yeah. chunk of property that he directed this cabin himself. But he had no contract. He had literally nothing. And oh. he was trying to sell it <gasps> prior to losing it. <laughs> it was very difficult because wow. we were trying to figure out, you know, maybe we can do this. Like yeah. there might be something here. Yeah. Um, but after the lawyers were like, this is going to cost you more than wow. it's really worth. You're best to just stay put because once you pack your bags and leave... You'll never get You'll back never on. Never get back on. Yeah. As long as you're here, wow. we can keep you here. Holy shoot. So it's interesting. The guy was fairly old and felt really bad for him because he just made what was good intentions yeah. years ago yeah. to probably somebody he looked up to and valued mm-hmm. as a person. Yeah. And later, you know, things went south. Yeah. That's why you need a realtor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a real estate agent. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. that thing clean. Keep that contract like spotted. Yeah. Right. The biggest thing like I come across a lot of times too is people are like, well, then we found out this after we bought the property and that we can't park our RV there or whatever yeah. it is. And I'm like, well, wh- why didn't your realtor tell you? And they're like, well, we didn't have one. We bought it privately. And I'm like, oh shoot. You know, like you, they didn't even know the questions to ask. And right. that's hard to watch because then they're in this pickle and predicament and you're like, you mean you didn't know about septic setbacks and, and from the lake and all this stuff? And they're like, no, we had no idea. And you're like, oh. I grandfathered think. clauses and grandfathered rules that yeah. don't stay after you renovate and upgrade and pull yeah. permits. Yeah. yeah, and that's heartbreaking to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, when people have put like every last penny into buying this reg property and now it's not what they thought, like yeah. that just breaks my heart. And now you're in the, they have to get rid of it or they can't use it or, or whatever. Yeah. 
And there's like the juxtaposition between the, you know, the d- complexities we're describing and this very, really pure dream of just wanting to be at the lake. Like, yeah. oh, that's um, almost a poetic gap that it, it sort of comes. Is there a version that is just simple? Is there like a, can the dream be realized that purely, you know? Well, you can go to a campsite. That's true. <laughs> like 20 bucks a night will get you on the lake somewhere. You got me there. Yeah. Right? But you're not going to be able to make noise after 7 or 9 right. p.m. Yeah. <laughs> and I think even whether it's rec property or anything else, buying real estate, there is always going to be risk involved. Like that's just life. Life has yeah. risk. And it's it's getting informed as much as you possibly can. And it's looking at the history of, you know, property in the area, especially when it comes to lakeshore property and some rec areas, they've only gone up over time. So they have been a family investment in a lot of cases and people have done really, really well on them too, because they're a limited commodity. So I tell people like, you know, what you're buying here is an investment, Um, you know, know all these things going into it, depending on what's going on. But, you know, if you buy the right one, this is, you know, only going to go up in value over time because of the rarity of it. And they're not making more. Exactly. I did, uh, I did for a listing years ago, a bit of research on lakefront property. Okay. And it was province wide. We are fairly abundant with lakes and rivers in BC. Yeah. So imagine this to a different province, but the amount of lake, sorry, waterfront properties in BC at the time, and this might've been 2017 or 2018, okay. was less than 3% of the listings. Holy shit. And then less than half of that were considered lakefront. Wow. So when you think of the limited resource of having property on the water, yeah. and realtors like to say that they ain't building any more land, yeah. right? Yeah, we always say that. Yeah. But the, the limited resource of waterfront property. Yeah. And then just thinking about like what the what the states are going through right now, like in Arizona, there's a massive subdivision just north of Phoenix. Okay, yeah. Million dollar bare land strata and the city of Phoenix just turned off their water. Wow. And they're like, we are not giving you any more water. We, we are so low on our reservoirs. Yeah. You were the first one we're shutting off, but we're giving everybody fair warning that these little subdivisions and they're all little recreation getaways, we're going to be just shutting them off one at a time because <gasps> we got to keep the core of the city with water. Unbelievable. And so think about how valuable yeah. an asset we have. Yeah. All this water in BC. Yeah. And we had to just hang out in front of it. Yeah. Go yeah. boating and swimming and splashing around with our kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really fortunate in BC. Very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And I have friends that have moved from San Diego. They've grown up in San Diego. They've lived there their whole lives. Mm-hmm. They've moved. They're probably listening to this podcast too. So they're going to know <laughs> who I'm talking about. But they, they moved to the state of Washington uh-huh. because it rains. Yeah. Because of the fear of losing water. Yeah. It's such a real thing now. It is. It is. And like you go to San Diego, which we do every now and then, and you're driving on the highway and you see like in between the highway, the sprinklers running. Oh. You know, they they want that grass looking green right at this overpass. And yet they have no water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Aww. why are you doing that? It is yeah. a desert. Leave it a desert. Make uh, it a desert. People come to the except, desert for yeah. desert that it's stuff. It's a desert. Yeah. 
Yeah. I never fully understood the importance of water until, like, yeah, I was without... I lived in Australia for several years. And in Perth, Western Australia, which is a very dry part of Australia, and they have water issues to the point where you have your watering days, and if you water outside those days and times and hours and restrictions... You are, you know, heavily fined. Wow. Your me- all your water is metered. It's expensive. And um, their water sources are desalination plants from the ocean as well as which basically... Is which is very expensive and very bad for the environment because all that extra salt goes a lot of times back into the ocean and then oversalts things and a lot of kills a lot of the area around it. And then the other thing that they do is their gray water, they turn it back into usable water. So, you know, they, the idea that you're reusing water is one that, you know, here in Canada, we just can't even fathom. We're like, (laughs) Oh no, we let the water just run and like, it's great. But it was very real. And like, I remember coming back with a sense of like, wow, like we're so fortunate here. Yeah. We do take it for granted. We have no idea but water. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about changing property values. You have no water, like yeah. those people in Arizona. Can you imagine what those places are worth now? Oof. Like you can't give them away if all of a sudden you say we don't have water. And, you know, around here, we all have like the odd place that either the well's not drilled or the well's no good or something like that. Or, you know, the, there's some roads in the shoe shop where, like, everybody hauls water. And it's rare, but it is a deal breaker for, like, yeah. nine out of ten people, I'd say. If they find out the property doesn't have water, they're like, absolutely not. And even if you say, look, the cost of hauling water is, like, less than you would pay on a city water system, they're like, no. No way. Just the idea of it. Just the idea of it. Like We, we, are, we get a lot of that here. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. We have a number of areas in Kamloops where we don't naturally have lots of water. Right. Okay. And uh, famous seller last words, never had any problems here. <laughs> never ran dry. What are those big buckets out there, those cisterns yeah. do? Right Just yeah. for safety. Yeah. Yeah. Just for, you know, fires or, yeah. But yeah. rec property, uh, diving back to it a little bit. What are some of the challenges you think people are going to be faced moving forward in our market right now? Uh, with rec property? There's a big one that just, I just read this article the other day and I was talking to one of the CSRD directors on it is they, like a lot of areas, want to bring in um, restrictions on Airbnbs and short-term rentals. And that's, we've seen that happening around other areas that are recreational because it, they say that there's a shortage of long-term rental housing. So the idea is that if people can't Airbnb these properties that they're only spending a week at and then they're airbnb or it's like a carriage house or something like that, that will have more long-term rentals. And I know that a lot of people that I, you know, buyers and stuff that I work with, they do buy a lot of these recreational properties and in order to offset the costs, they'll Airbnb them because they're not going to live there. It's a property that they're out for a couple of weeks of the year, but they're beautiful properties and they will go for a premium on a short-term rental site. And that is how a lot of people, you know, supplement their, you know, totally. yeah, income and stuff even. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually have no hotels I think Chase, maybe Jade Mountain has like a couple of rooms. And then there's Is that one. still operating? I think so. I'm not quite sure. I thinking about that the other day when <laughs> I drove by. It's hit and miss, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's one motel in Sorrento. And then there's nothing until you hit Salmon Arm as far as motels. Right. So people come to the whole like Shushwap area and the North Shore and everywhere around there. And the Airbnb. best place to stay is Airbnbs if you're not in like an RV park or something like that. 
So I've never thought about that. Yeah. Like there's no hotels in the shoe no. And Crazy. And so when they keep talking about shutting, like, you know, not allowing Airbnbs, I'm like, well, first of all, like people want to stay in them. And those are not the type of properties that would be long-term. Like you're not going to drive 50 kilometers from town to work at a, you know, minimum wage paying job. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't make sense. The guy on the street is not missing his home because exactly. of a multi-million dollar lakeshore yeah. property. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's going to be a big thing though, because it is a reason a lot of people buy. And if they have a, a feeling that that might be taken away in the next couple of years, because they're talking about like a phased approach to it oh, wow. and bringing it in. I think there's going to be a lot of controversy around it and there's going to be a lot of people who are like, I'm not taking the risk. I'm going to like yeah. either like, you know, or there's going to be people who are like, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways and you can try and find me and find Is me. that the CSRD that's doing that? It's the CSRD, yeah. And it's and the directors are split on it. It, oh. it was brought up by one and I can't remember, it's in the article, um, but one of the other directors, um, Marty Gibbons, he loudly opposed it. And so he said, this does not make sense. Marty Um, used to be my neighbor, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, crazy. And so, yeah, he's so, and I think there's a few other directors as well, because I know some of them do have Airbnb properties. And, um, you know, it's a great way for kind of the like locals and tourists to interact in the shoe shop as well. Like they get to really know it from a local perspective. Yeah, plus the new rules with Strata, like not limiting rentals. I mean, I have a property on the Schwab that's... uh, that's a Bearland Strata. Yes, yeah. We were limited by rentals. Yes. And now with the rental restrictions removed, I'm like, let's Airbnb this when we're not here, You right? can still, the Stratas can still restrict short-term rentals though. Totally. Ah. They just can't restrict long-term rentals now. Yeah. So short-term rentals, most Stratas in the shoe shop um, have taken away the ability for short-term rentals because a lot of them got pressure from their insurance companies. I know that some of the Stratas I've dealt with, their insurance companies goes... Uh, would say to them, yeah, you can do Airbnbs, but um, you're not covered. We'll just charge you an extra twenty thousand or something like ah, that. Yeah. So the owners who are not part of that are like, um, no thanks. Yeah. So that's why a lot of them got forced off of it as well. Um, I can see that totally. Yeah. yeah, and that's a real thing because in Kamloops we don't have any zoning for short-term rentals, and there's really no insurance packages for it. Yeah, like you can't rent out your basement suite legally mm-hmm. as per zoning mm-hmm. and get proper insurance to cover, mm-hmm. you know, if there was a fire or yep. if, you know, you had a, a little football team that destroyed your basement. Yeah. I'm just saying like yeah. whatever would happen. Exactly. You're your insurance company is not going to cover that because yep. I guarantee you, you don't have short-term rental insurance. Yeah. Yeah. It's very... The first thing they'll ask you is, do yeah. you have even the zoning for it? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And we have almost no zoning for it. Um, there's very little tourist commercial zoning that allows for it. And so, but people are still doing it. And it's yeah. just, again, it's a complaint driven system. So nobody's kind of following up on it, but it's going to be a controversial topic that comes up and that could definitely change rec property in the shoe shop a lot. Like, you know, who's buying it and stuff like that. Because, and I think it's a sad thing because uh, if it does happen, it takes out a lot of young families in buying rec property that can afford it because they're able to have it, you know, pay for itself. Yeah. And then it just leaves it to the people who can, you know, there's a lot of people who purchase uh, recreational property cash and they're, you know, yeah. kind of over 40s crowd. But the under 40s, a lot of times need that extra income to be able to afford that property Or just for the their lack family. of opportunity for people to exactly. go to the shoe shop and find a place to stay. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, so that too. Tourism, yeah. you know, that hurts all businesses when you don't have tourism, like everybody's tied to that. Yeah. And and we need a little more 
services on the shoe Schwab. We need yeah. more restaurants. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's something I'm really excited about because there was a lot of change in the directors in the CSRD in the last um, election there and um, or vote, I guess, however they do it. And there's a lot of, I guess, like for lack of a better word, like fresh young ideas nice. and people coming with different backgrounds and different, you know, like who are very like a part of the community already and want and understand that, you know, the only thing consistent is change. And so you have to n- d- not say, no, you can't do this, but be like, okay, how can how we, we do, do this? Yeah. Totally. And yeah. so there's an attitude shift that's happening, which I think is, is going to be huge. And I think then we can actually start to move forward with getting, you know, more restaurants and things like that. If we can yeah. have people who come to the table with ideas rather than no we couldn't do that before. We can't do it now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Evolution. Mm-hmm. What about um, foreign buyers? Do you guys get a lot of foreign buyers on the shoe swap? <laughs> not really. I okay. was, That's not going to hurt you then. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's funny because, you know, people will say, well, we're going we're gonna to price it super high. And, um, <laughs> you know, would, like this foreign buyer is going to come along and they're yeah. just going to pay a ridiculous amount that no local person would pay. And I said, okay, when you're out on your boat, you know, when you're out on the beach, I said, do you look around? Where are those people from? Alberta, Vancouver. I don't see really right. like, you know, the, the foreign buyers in our area, they're buying the businesses. They're buying the, you know, the gas stations. They're buying right. stuff like that. They're buying businesses. They're not, their lifestyle is not the same. Their cultural, you know, they're looking for bigger centers. They're not really investing here because that's not, their culture is not to lay around on the beach like ours is. Right. Like that's not what they do. Yeah, yeah. And so then people go, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Um, so we've had the odd one here and there, but not really because it's not like there's a university for them to sell, send their kids to, or they're, if they're not there to manage a business, like it's just, they don't buy property just for fun. Um, they buy it for an investment. So that's yeah. not really what we see a lot of. I don't see it in our rec market either, but I do yeah. see it. It'll, Sun Peaks will, it will be affected yeah, by Sun, Sun Peaks, Peaks for sure. sure. I yeah. mean, especially the, there's a lot of Australians that buy into the ski hills and yeah. stuff like that. So things like that. And luckily for us, they amalgamated Sun Peaks into Kamloops. So it's not exempt. Oh. I say lucky. I was being a smart ass. <laughs> um, I, what about Salmon Arm and Sorrento? And like, are those areas exempt? It seems to be. Like I was looking at the, ma- the mapping yeah. system is unbelievably complicated. And it seems to be like, even though like I look at the numbers, I'm like, I think we can, but they've, but then Chase is in it. Like Chase is not exempt. No, it's, it's amalgamated into Kamloops. Yeah. Chase yeah. too. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. But yet Salmon Arm and and I don't know if Salmon Arm maybe is because we've got a lot of um, reserve land around Salmon Arm is, is somehow maybe that splits it up because gotcha. that's exempt and that maybe takes away some qualifying numbers. But then the Kootenays, like I look at that, they're not exempt. They're all, you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot, like I think... Nelson is part of it, but Castle Gars, there's something strange. Like it there's makes, really no rhyme or reason to Because, no. I mean, I can tell you for sure, nobody in Chase is from yeah. Las Vegas no. or China. Yeah. Like, those are people from Vancouver, Kamloops, yeah. and probably Chase. Yeah. Like, long-term mm-hmm. Chaseians. Yeah. Right? I, um, I cringe at that whole thing. I think they just threw that together. Yeah, I really think so. And there's so many exemptions to it, and there's so many, like, but yeah, you basically need a lawyer to figure out. Yeah. Um, and I've got people from the, a lot of people from the U.S. who want to buy. And so then I have to, you know, a lot of them are Canadians, you know, in some way, shape or form sure. or another. Or, so then we have to figure that out. Yeah. Like, yeah. how does this work? 
not. What yeah. about tomorrow's big day? We're going to see another interest rate hike. Yeah. Bank of Canada meets again. Yeah. Do you think they're going to go up a quarter or a half percent? Well, that's the question. I, I'm going to guess the worst case scenario and say half, mm-hmm. just because I still think we got, I still think we're still a little inflated. Yeah. I hope they don't raise it at all. Yeah. But I mean, I think if they went a quarter, I think it would send a signal to real estate that we're, we're coming out of this. Mm-hmm. I just don't have any faith that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, they're always kind of one step behind, mm-hmm. you know? And like seven rate races last year, like that's aggressive. Totally. And if they're still not, you know, curbing inflation to the degree that they want, I, I feel like that's going to continue the aggressiveness yeah. until they, and it, yeah, it's, it's. Do you gonna, think that affects your market? Are your buyers that sensitive to, like, I think a shoe swap on the water, I think bucket loads of money. Yeah. And then probably the interest rate's not going to affect, like, not between three and five or 6% on a fixed rate. I don't see that as being, but that's just the, me. The way that it does affect, because, like, a lot of our shoe shop lakeshore buyers are cash buyers. However, when the rates were so low, it was cheaper for them to get a mortgage than to pull money from investments to yeah. buy these properties and, and take like the capital gains hits and stuff. So that will pull those buyers out of the market if they think, right. you know what, a mortgage just doesn't make money's not as cheap as it was. You know what, maybe I'll just keep my investments where they are. I'm not going to buy that recreational property. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to take out the younger buyers who, if they're just not making the money to purchase, um, like our average prices, like it's hard to get anything that's decent under 700,000 in like the salmon arm area and stuff like that. So for first time home buyers, it's challenging. Like they're, they're limited now, um, to apartments and things like that sometimes if they're not 55 plus. So are you seeing that median price kind of dangle a little bit, like drop down a little bit? Definitely a little yeah. bit. Like we're starting to just see houses even show up in the four, five, and 600 range, which we, right. for the last two years, we never saw those almost ones. nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're actually starting to see those show up. And it's funny because the value for what you're getting a lot of times still, like you might be, you don't really start to get value sometimes until you start to pay more because you might find a $400,000 house, but by the time you bring it up to, you know, maybe livable standards for a family, you're into it for a 750. So it's... And everybody's know, looking at that property. Exactly. Everybody's looking at so it. So you're not really getting a... But it's like a 1920s, yeah. like, <laughs> we don't know what's going on in the basement. Foundation? Sure. <laughs> what foundation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about investors, like, going back to rec property? Do you guys see, kind of puts a combination of interest rates, foreign buyer ban, um... And the fact that maybe this Airbnb thing is not going to be applicable. Do you see investment? Like, do people want to buy a a lakeshore property for the sole purpose of maybe I use it once, but this is an investment and I'm going to put tenants in there. I'm going to put Airbnb guys through there. I'm going to run, try to make money from this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? We do see that. And we have seen that quite a bit in the last two years. So I think with all these things happening now, investors will you know, they're smart. They'll look at where is our money better spent? Um, you know, other areas, like they'll they'll go other areas of BC. They're always looking for, you know, where the market's not. Um, but they also will, 
you know, take advantage of the market sometimes too. If you've got a cash buyer when very few people do have cash, then they'll tend to put in low ball offers and they'll find out who has to sell and who doesn't. And I think that's what 2023 is really going to show is the sellers who have to sell because yeah. this they can't hold on to their property any longer because of the rates if their mortgages come up for renewal or something like that and they can no longer afford it. And then that's where those properties will start to set, you know, yeah. price precedences. And then the thing is supply. We're very low on supply and demand is still pretty high. So if the supply continues to stay low, that will keep prices, I think, fairly stable too. But if we get flooded with supply and then, you know, a few people sell low and they set the prices, then yeah. it might open it up for more lower sales. So I've often see. said when people are saying like, hey, is this a good time to buy real estate? And this might be the best time to buy real estate in the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the only time you're not going to be competing. Yeah. The prices are a little bit softer. Yeah. You can negotiate. Exactly. terms in your contract. Yeah. Where you couldn't do any of this stuff before. Yeah. And realistically, most of the economists are saying with the housing shortage we have in Canada, mm. this is a very small blip yes. that we're going to take and we're going to yeah. be right back to an aggressive yeah. market again. By like so. 2024, a lot of them are thinking it's going to be back, especially, yeah, the amount of immigration and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and 5%, by, between 5 yeah. and 6% has been the average interest rate for the last 40 years. Exactly. So exactly. it's not like we're high, yeah. we're average. Yeah. And interest rates can go down again, but the price that you originally pay for your house, that'll never change. Totally. So that's one way to look at it too, is like, you know, you will, you might be paying a higher rate now, but it's going to come back down. I wrote an offer yesterday on a property and, um, you know, when you pull the title, it, it'll say the original price that yeah. the, the buyers paid, right? Yeah. And it had purchased for 180 grand in 2000. Wow. And we were writing an offer for a million bucks. Yeah. And they had done very little of the property. Mm-hmm. They might have done a kitchen, mm-hmm. maybe a furnace and a roof and some like serviceable items, mm-hmm. but there was no like walls and, you know, they didn't really majorly improve the property. Mm-hmm. And I think in 2008, when people were screaming, like, the market is falling. The market is falling. We should have just invested in stocks. <laughs> I guarantee you that family doesn't even remember 2008. Yeah. You know, when they sell for five times, more than yeah. five times what they paid for, mm-hmm. really 23 years ago. Like yeah. now it's 2000 that we see those really low numbers. Yeah. We always assumed it was the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. And the, the depression in the 80s and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting for sure. Like what Best you, time to buy in the next decade. That's the nice thing about doing a podcast because yep. when you say something, it's forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's in cyberspace. <laughs> so you always come back to it later and say, I told you it was the best time to buy. Yeah, exactly. That's true. <laughs> and then we just edit out the ones that, you know. Yeah, are wrong. The <laughs> predictions the that are wrong. You're like, whoa, whoop, that was the opposite of what I said. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Royal LePage came out with a, um, their economists had put together a rec report Right. Indicating that the market was going to drop for recreation property yes. this year by 3%. Yep. I sort of feel like that 3% has already been realized. Mm-hmm. We've already seen that 3% mm-hmm. drop. And I don't honestly feel the market is going to dip too much. I think you will see those people that need to sell. Yeah. Is that what your take is on shoe shop as well? Or I think so, yeah. There's going to be a few good deals that come up, but it's it's too much of a rare commodity to really lose that much value. There is a lot of people out there that have been just holding on to their money and, and looking for the right opportunity. Totally. And when they think it's a deal, you know, they jump on it. 
So I, yeah, like I, I don't think this is going to be a very, we're not going to rock bottom. We're not going to see 50% of value here. And yeah. unfortunately I think like, like that's what a lot of people think is going to happen and they're waiting on that. But when you look at the bigger picture of what's happening in the world, like that's not what's going to happen here. Our market still in the shoe shop, when I compare it to Kelowna, we're, you know, much lower than that market. Even Revelstoke is higher than the shoe shop a lot of times when I look at their home sales oh, yeah. and prices really? and stuff totally. like that. Yeah. And it's because of the limited quality. Like they're just, you have only so much space and land and, mm-hmm. you know, people want to be there. And if they want to be there, like look at New York, like it's unbelievable <laughs> when you look at, you know, prices of condos. Is such a cool place though. Yeah. yeah. Such a neat little town, mountains, mm-hmm. parks, it's protected. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to see that place get like totally industrialized. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the next Banff, I think. It like could totally be. Yeah. 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 There's a feel there that I don't think you get in a lot of other places. Totally. But you, you similar to what you'd feel like when you roll through Banff. Banff's just a bigger version of it. Yeah, but exactly. But it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome there. Still I, has that small town feel where mm-hmm. you know people. And I always tell people what we sell in the shoe shop is a lifestyle. We are selling a lifestyle. That's so what, like, yes, you're, you're just, you're buying a house, which is giving you a key to the lifestyle here. Mm-hmm. And that's what people really come for. They don't come because they have to. It's not like Fort Mac where like, I got this great job. Now I'm moving there. Yeah. They come for the lifestyle. Yeah. Lake life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got that sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen it one million times. <laughs> I, know, I know. So I was, I was at the lake on the weekend, and it was like Saturday was super... Saturday? No, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday morning, it was super sunny. And I was at the little um, the grocery store in Bly Bay. Yeah, Village Grocer. And that place had a 45-minute wait Yes. for... A sandwich, a bag of chips, and a pop. Wow. Yeah. It was like everybody came out to see what the lake was like for the weekend. Because mm-hmm. the sun was totally. out. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I was thinking if you're a realtor out here, what a great day to have an open house. Yes. But yeah. you would probably get a lot of looky-loos. <laughs> we do. But you would have had a lot of activity, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I've often said here, like when we, when the spring hits that first day where Sun Rivers will get mm. a tulip pop up. Yeah. And there'll be snow in Juniper and a lot of the subdivisions here will still have snow in it. Yeah. Having an open house there will get you 50 people through. Wow. Nobody's really looking to buy a house. Yeah. But they're just trying to get out of their house. Yeah. It's a great time to meet yeah. people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. at some point in time they will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, before we go, share me a funny wreck property story. Oh my God. Um, hmm. Like a, yeah, I'll let you think about it. I'll yeah, give you mine. Okay? Yeah. I sold a property. Um, I don't want to say the lake because I don't want to, I don't want to bury anybody in this story. Okay. 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 But I sold a property and during the due diligence period, the lake rose. This yeah. was back in 2017. So if you knew a lot about the local area, you'd probably figure out which lake this was. Mm-hmm. And it flooded the crawl space of this house. And the buyer, um, it, it's like they knew and they were waiting for it to happen. Oh. So the buyer wanted to renegotiate this transaction after, after conditions had been removed and we were waiting to close on the property. And the seller, it's a legacy home, like it's an older place. And seller says like, hey, like it's fair, like we, we should probably drop our pants on this. Yeah. And I'm like, the fact that we're still talking these guys are buying this property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would literally just let this go and just let them out of the deal if they want. Mm-hmm. And so I get this call and it's like a Friday afternoon and it's a non-local realtor. 
Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, we got to meet out at the property. I want you to physically stand there with me. And I want you to see where the water is. And we got to sort this out. So I decide, okay, rip down there and like super casual. I'm wearing like jeans and super casual. I get there and there's an entourage of people. Oh my God. And it's the entire immediate family of the buyers. <gasps> and there was a little dock and the dock, the water was so high that the dock, if y'all stood on it, was like in the water. <laughs> and so I'm standing on the dock. I turn around and everybody's coming at me. Oh no. And they all want me to find a way to reduce this price. Oh my God. I was like a very interesting situation. And uh, anyways, it was like the more, the fact that you guys all drove up here is really telling me you guys are buying this property. Yeah. <laughs> and they did buy that property. Nobody dropped their pants on that property. And that cabin didn't make it through the next spring. Like they just tore it down. They built a brand new house, which is what they were planning the whole time. Right. Yeah. This is an interesting story. Oh, jeez. But man, this realtor on the other end, boy, did he hear for me when I left. As soon as I got back to sales service, I'm like, you set me up. Yeah, it was an ambush. You yeah, that was totally an ambush. You set ambush. me up. Yeah. yeah, they like basically stand there with pitchforks waiting for you. <laughs> Holy cow, was oh I intimidated God. too. Like we were talking about an entire family and they were all very angry. Oh, no. Because they did yeah. feel they had the right to reduce the price. I mean, everybody yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, if you were in their shoes or you were their agent... I mean, it's kind of a brilliant move on his part too, if you look at it from yeah. that point of view, like he, <laughs> if he planned this. Well, I, I <laughs> believe he had some kinda, incentive there. Yeah, I think he, you know, was like, one. hmm, let me see what I can do. They have a big family. <laughs> They're very persuasive. Yeah. Yeah. It was my interesting story. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, just off the top of my head, there was one, it was a little, um, cute little like log cabin, um, that this you know, a couple were selling, they didn't need it anymore. It was right by the beach. And I go to look at it and he's like, yeah, I don't spend very much time out here. So I'm just here, you know, kind of cleaning it up. We'll get it ready for sale. And he's got this little old dog wandering around and um, this little mouse just comes out from under, you know, somewhere in the cabin and the dog sees it, but the dog's old and the mouse like a practically a baby mouse. So neither one could go very fast and they're both slipping on the floor. Uh-huh. And so I'm watching the the dog chased the mouse over to the other side. And I'm like, okay. And I'm still, he keeps talking like there's nothing going on. And then I see another mouse come out. And then another mouse. Oh. And they actually start running around my feet. Oh. And they're just little baby mice and they're just playing. <laughs> and there's like five of them running around my feet. And at this point, I'm like, how is he not like saying anything? And then he finally sees my eyes kind of like looking down. And like, I'm not afraid of them, but I'm just like, like it's e- weird for somebody not to acknowledge like five mice running around right. their feet. Yeah. So he looks down and he goes, oh, he says, yeah, he says, I better uh, scoop those up and take them outside again. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, they're so cute. And I'm like, okay, so that's not the perspective that I'm going to be dealing with when I take buyers <laughs> yes. in this house. Yeah. And we're going to have to set some mouse traps and we're going to have to like figure this out because Train this will not go over well on yeah. a showing. Like this is no, like I've seen people <laughs> run out of houses for less yeah. and it will be mice. And so like, yeah, after, you know, we got a whole, like my stager and we got a hold of the house, we had mouse traps, we had everything going and we didn't tell him that, you know, maybe the mice didn't survive because we didn't actually pick them up and put them outside lovingly. yeah lovingly Despo- deposit them right outside the door so they could literally come just, back in the door. just a fun game for them yeah. Yeah, i was just yeah it's their cabin yeah. too yeah so it, you realize like what you know is some people's like favorite thing totally. is another person's nightmare yes. and you just have to like constantly look at like okay how is this going to be viewed by who 
And I always tell people like, remember, we're not selling your house to you. So we're going to have to change some things maybe. (laughs) I'd say the grossest thing I ever seen was uh, when I was a building inspector. Okay. I crawled underneath a mobile home and there was a full skeleton of a small dog. (gasps) It was like untouched, no. no hair. Like it had been there for a long time. Wow. And, you know, I'd crawl out and, you know, I'd carry on. And eventually the homeowner who comes back for, you know, they left the house for the home inspection. Homeowner comes back and I said, did you ever have a dog? She said, yeah, got hit by a car though. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, years ago. It just, we never did find it. And I'm thinking, I did. How's the smell been? Oh man, that was a whole, (gasps) I took a picture of it and I was trying to find that picture for somebody the other day, but could not locate that picture. Oh my God. It was a gross one. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, this is the way to like, sum it up on the end of a podcast. <laughs> okay, wait. I, you were telling me something the other day, Parker, something about a Lamborghini. I don't know. Is this. Oh, this was. The, something. Okay. In terms of marketing yeah. these big, beautiful, you know, bucket loads of money type mm-hmm. properties, um, Parker said that you have employed the use of a Lamborghini. <laughs> yes, and a helicopter. That? That's awesome. I'd love to hear about that. Um, yeah, I had this beautiful property. It's going to be coming back on the market this spring. And I said, you know, we need to do something extraordinary here. I said, this is incredible. Like, it's just state of the art. And it was over $4 million. And I said, what if we did it like a James Bond movie? And we had this Lamborghini like coming along Eagle Bay Road and then it drives up the driveway and then you see the house and you see the view. And I said, and what if this like sexy couple gets out and they walk through the house, but it's like this kind of like, you know, it's quick and they're just there for like a weekend getaway. And then they leave on a helicopter. I was like, and then I was like, can we land a helicopter on your front lawn here? And they're like, well, we don't know. Like the solar panels on the roof, like... Like, we don't know if those are secure enough. And I was like, hmm, okay, good point. So anyways, I knew somebody with a very rare Lamborghini, a previous client I'd met ages ago, and I happened to know they were in the area. And then I knew uh, another guy with a helicopter, and I was like, here's my idea. Like, That's cool. Do you guys think you'd be into this? And of course, both of them, like, they're retired. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Like, I get to shine it up extra, you know, for this. And then I got a hold of um, a friend of mine and um, another guy was like, I just need you guys to be models in this like real estate video. Like, how do you oh. feel? And they were like, okay, sure. Yep. Is there wine involved? I was like, you bet. You, After like, you've we'll, been driving yeah. a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were not allowed to <laughs> drive it. We got them to sit in it. Okay. And um, yeah, we did the whole video and it's it's out there and it actually turned out pretty cool. And uh, awesome. it is kind of like we oh, tried we'll to, have to check that yeah. out. Did it snag the buyer? Not yet, okay. but, um, you know, there's still time. So. I will be watching this yeah. ad. Yeah. Is that Amazing. the coolest one you've really ever cool. done? That's probably the coolest one I ever did. I did a pretty cool Santa Claus one this year, too, because I had a pretty neat house decorated, like, for Christmas. And so I got one of my agents to put on a full Santa costume <laughs> and bring his dog. And we did Santa and his dog, like, all throughout the house. Oh, and it was pretty cool, too. That's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. I love the creativity. And, like, there is sort of a playful, fun... Like you're trying to achieve a goal, but trying to stand out at the same time and showcase the features of the home. And exactly, it's exactly. A colorful take. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I plan. I've got quite a few planned this year. I'm nice. Thinking, yeah. You're cool. a lady with yeah. plans. It's fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy day to uh, come visit us and chat about recreation property. And um, maybe we'll have you back when we can think up another cool way to integrate the shoe swap real estate world and the market. 
Definitely. Yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for having me. It was, it was really cool. And it's great to like sit down and talk about these things, you know, with another realtor as well. A lot of times because you have, you can ask questions that maybe, you know, other people wouldn't even think about like, oh, what are the things, you know, that might come up in this situation and hearing about, you know, like our markets are only an hour and apart, but an hour apart, but completely different. They're vastly different. Vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Like I don't ever, I always refer out to you for people here because I'm like, I don't know the Kamloops market. Like I couldn't help you. You know, she shrubs my area for sure. Yeah. When, when I became a realtor, I was a building inspector that just sold a business. So I was just here. Yeah. Wow. But then later I was thinking like to become a realtor, maybe I should have chose a better, funner area. Like the Shushua, <laughs> right? I could just Better drive around in yeah. a boat all well, day and show properties yeah. from the dockside. We always got room for more great realtors in the Shushua. Yeah. So anytime you decide to hang your license on your rec property and come yeah. out, yeah, you bet. <laughs> my, heart, my heart is pretty deeply rooted here, though. I, I get like it. Gamblers. I get it. Yeah, yeah for no, sure. Traveling by boat, though, to showings does sound like a nice way to spend a day. Sounds like a good way to get taken advantage of. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The weirdest one I've ever done is, is well, not weird, but also fun, was sledding into a property that was only accessible by sleds in the wintertime. Very oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. And the buyers could not drive their sled, and we had to pick them up and dig them out so many times. Oh, no. And they were just driving along a road. <laughs> yeah. It was even more fun. Yeah. Well, I can remember a home inspection, and this was a rec property where the buyers showed up and they had a cooler. Oh. And they were having margaritas while they were trying to picture what life would be like at their new rec property. Awesome. And it was like, uh, did you just come on this for <laughs> yeah. a day at the lake? I have just crossed the line. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this feel is like real not, estate anymore. yeah. You lounging, putting your sunscreen on right now, mm, not going to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll end her there. Let's do it. Thanks. Let's do it okay. again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Sounds Definitely. good. Yeah. Cheers. Cool. Thank you.